1: You were made to think big, do big, do big But tomorrow can be bigger Just grow,
0: let the world overflow yeah. Give my life bigger than yourself
1: Welcome to Live Big with Derek Greer. We are so glad that you joined us today. We believe that the truth of God's Word will empower you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. As always, you can get this message and more at gracechurchva.org. Let's join Dr. Greer for today's Live Big message.
0: Give God a, a great big hand clap. And I love you. Tell Him that you worship Him. And that is worthy. We love you, Father. We bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter twenty-eight and verse six. I could almost sing that song again. That's kind of feel of peace, you know. Kind of like a fresh breeze. The Bible says that uh, Adam would meet with God in the cool of the day, but literally it was the breeze of the day. And I I believe the Lord wants to just release a fresh wind, a fresh breeze into our lives. He's not a burden, he is a breeze in our our lives. Verse 6. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob. When God's blessing is on you, it's not just felt, it can be seen. You know, years ago when I got out of college, everybody was competing over who could get the most stuff. Imagine if we spent those years competing on who could become the greatest blessing. I believe the world would have been changed if we would have lived just a little bit differently. And he sent his son Jacob away to Padan Aram. Jacob's parents sent him there because this was where his grandfather Abraham's relatives lived. And the Bible's about to tell us he was to take a wife from there. You know, in the Bible, and and, and don't do everything the Bible does, because Abraham married his for real sister. It was was a half-sister, different mother, but they were kin. So you don't want to do that. So everything done in the Bible, you you don't want to do. But you also need to realize that all of us are family. We all come from the same parents, Adam and Eve. So whoever we marry is actually our sister. And what... So, yeah, yeah, just... (laughs) Say yuck twice, just in case someone's on the wrong uh, wavelength here. But Scripture teaches, though we don't do it exactly the way Abraham did, we are to keep our marriages in the family. You see, marriages are challenging enough, but if you're not on the same page spiritually, it's going to only compound the problems. 2 Corinthians 6 and 14 speaks to this. The Apostle Paul says by the Holy Spirit, Do not be unequally yoked together, meaning and implying that there are equal yokes and unequal yokes meaning all yokes are not the same. Now, in the ancient world, you see it on the, on the screen there, oxen were joined together at the neck to maximize cooperation and efficiency on the field as they worked. But here it's used to describe two-by-two relationships. You know, in America today, in the Western world, we marry for love. How many of you know that, that that's what we do? How many of you know 50% of our marriages are ending in divorce? The ancients married for far more practical reasons, and they learned to love each other later. This is important. A marriage without purpose is as empty as a marriage without love. Now, in the ancient world, they married for purpose, left out the love. But in our time, we need to keep them both together. What is the purpose of your marriage other than you just getting what you want? And if you don't have a higher purpose, your marriage is gonna become stale. It's just not gonna have the life and the vigor you would like it to have. Me and my wife are a team to, first, you know, to look after our kids, but we're also a team in ministry. We worship together, we pray together, we give together, we travel together we have a higher purpose than just, you know, her meeting, you know, my marital needs and her quote-unquote meeting mine. There has to be a higher purpose to the relationship than just a little bit of lust. I I said I wasn't going to be this way, and I'm already starting to go this way on, on, on Sunday. See, we say we fall into love, but you see, Bible love is not an incident. It's not you tripping and bumping into it. Bible love's a choice. Agape love is a choice. Now, I might have fell in love with my wife, but let me tell you something. There were some times I had to choose to love my wife. And my wife had to choose to love me. And if you don't make a choice, and you're just always waiting for the experience... You're not going to make it in this present world. Okay. All right. Deuteronomy 22 and 10. Let's listen to Moses. He says this. And Paul was actually referring to the teaching of Moses. And he did this in the New Testament because it's a principle. He said, you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. It is cruel... To put a donkey and an ox in the same yoke. They have different temperaments. They have different sized footsteps and strides. One would surely drag the other. When you intentionally marry outside the covenant family of God, don't be surprised if you are dragged down constantly in life. It's just the truth. Do not be. Let's go back. Unequally yoked together with unbelievers. This is important because when you look at the context here, Paul is not just talking about non believers. Some non believers are better than some believers, I know, by the way. He's also talking about unbelieving believers. Here's some of the best dating advice you're ever going to get as a single this is what you need to do run as fast as you can for the Lord. Just just run. Then look to your right and to your left, and if somebody's keeping up with you, they might be the one. But if you got to slow down, or if you got to come out of the race in order to date this person, you are making a tragic mistake that's going to last a lifetime. Paul says this. He he just goes into basic reason. He's not being esoterical. He's not being super spiritual. This is basic common sense. This is what is common sense. This is not about being religious. It's not what this is about. It's about common sense. And he uses basic, you know, logistical uh, reason here. He said, for what fellowship has righteousness with what? Lawlessness. He said, don't be unequally yoked together. Why? Because those who want to live right are going to find themselves at odds with those who want to live wrong. So, I mean, it's not a matter of, you know, some super spooky thing. It's basic common sense. What Scripture is teaching us is teaching us to choose our relationships wisely. Then he goes on. He said, okay, there's one line of reason. Let me, let me give you another one. Use common sense now. What communion has light with Darkness. One repels the other. And what he's saying is, how can two walk together lest they agree? Agreement is necessary for a lasting union. Now, is he saying that we are to divorce our non believing believers that we married? is he saying that we're to divorce a non-believer because, you know, we're, we're, we're moving in different spiritual directions. Let's take a look at the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 12. God's emphatic. He says, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. God advises against an unequally yoked marriage, but if you end up in one, God will give you the grace you need to get through it and, and to make it work. Quitting for the disciple is not an option. It's important. Y'all didn't hear me. No, no. No, no. This is important. A lot of people confuse church folk with disciples. It's not the same thing? Just because you go to church don't mean you're serious about God. It's, you see, okay, the, the, the people say, and it's because they're not paying attention, they say, well, you know what? The divorce rate in the church is as much as, and as high as the divorce rate in the world. That's not true. You see, studies have shown that, those, that couples that attend church regularly, not people go to church once a year. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that are, are committed to God's house. People that go to church regularly stay married 90% of the time. We are not the same. Faith in Christ makes a difference. Makes a difference. By the way, it happens here too. But upwards of of 90% of our couples that are serious about God stay together. Stay together. I didn't say people come to church. That's not what I'm saying. People who serve and get serious about their relationship with God and the Word, they stick. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. The advice is the same for both sexes. In the absence of adultery or some other serious form of endangerment, God wants our marriages to survive. Now, if he's hitting you, you or, or she's hitting you, you might need to separate it. If you're bringing disease into your bed, you, you might need to separate it. It might even end in divorce. If, 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 if just brutal and, and violent things are happening or, or they decide to live in China and you stay in America and they just abandon you, there that, 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 that may be a reason for, for you to, to separate. But nine times out of ten, the reality is, we have just not decided to take up our cross and follow him. Nine times out of ten, we just said, I want what I want, and I'm going to get what I want. I don't care about this union. I don't care what we said before God. You know what? I'm going to put all that aside. God knows my heart. That's the problem. God knows your heart. Yeah. Genesis 28:6. And Isaac sent Jacob away. Okay, y'all think I'm talking down to you. My wife is from another culture. Even when we're speaking English, we're not always speaking the same language. If you ever spend any time with my my wife, I want one thing, (laughs) she wants the other. Go to movies, I want one movie, she wants another movie. If you work with us in the office, my wife will say one thing. I will say the opposite. We are not two people who just kind of fell out of heaven somehow. My wife and I, we've had to work at this thing. We've had to choose to love each other through this thing. I mean, we are different in so many ways, and I've learned to love the difference. But if I was a quitter, let me tell you something. Ah, I don't know if I can say it. And I, don't, I want to knock on wood. But I'll be honest. You know, let me tell you, when people start telling me how great their marriage is, I don't believe them. Because usually people always talk about how wonderful their marriage is, they're hiding something. They're hiding something. They're hiding something. But let me tell you, I think I have one of the greatest marriages on the planet. I do. But, you you know, part of the reason why, because my wife doesn't make, our happiness don't depend on me, it first depends on our relationship with God, and my happiness doesn't first depend on her, it first depends on our relationship with God, and when you get that right, you can work everything else out, there's no reason why two believers can't stay together when they have right relationships with God. There's no reason. Genesis 28 and 6. And Isaac sent Jacob away to Paddan Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a what? Charge. Not a suggestion, but a what? Command, a charge. Daddy said this. You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Now, I have tried to teach my boys the same way. But just like your children, mine don't always listen to me either. (laughs) Mark Twain said this, good decisions come from experience, but experience often comes from bad decisions. (laughs) Here's the deal. The only reason I stand before you today sounding halfway smart is because I have also been very, very dumb. And I have learned from experience. I I have spent some time in Canaanite tents and discovered, you know what? Again, we, we, we often have to, I would, God's like this. Listen, you can learn from my word or you can learn from experience. Which one do you want? And many of us in this room, you're learning from experience. God's word was settled in heaven, but you wouldn't listen to the preacher. You thought you were different. You thought you were special. <laughs> but life has shown you yes. otherwise. Genesis 27:46: Listen to the heartbreak that this issue brought into a family. Here's Rebecca, Jacob's mother. She says, "Honey, I'm weary of life. She was totally shattered over the lifestyle of her son, Esau. Because of the daughters of Heth, her son Esau married wives that were Hittites. They were not just from a different culture, they were from an opposing culture. And he says, if Jacob takes a a wife of the daughter of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? And this is a heavy conversation. Rebecca's being a little bit extreme here. But she had lost one child to the surrounding culture. She didn't want to lose the next. And when you lose one child to the streets, you hold the rest even closer. And this was the attitude of mother. Genesis 28 and 7. It says, And Jacob obeyed his father and his mother. We see here that Rebecca wished, but we also see that Isaac charged. And it's not enough to wish for your kids at certain levels. There are places you might have to take a little bit of charge. This is an important point I'm about to make. We see the unity in this couple. Agreement is one of the most powerful spiritual weapons we have in our arsenal. The devil understands divide and conquer. That's why he's so busy trying to come between mom and dad. Because if he can divide you, he got the entire family. You know, if you you tie up the strong man and the strong woman, the house goes next. But when a, a husband and a wife learn to use agreement for good... The impact of it becomes phenomenal. And mother and father agreed. One wished, the other charged. They approached it differently, but the job got done. It says, Jacob obeyed his father and his mother. The path of obedience... Always leads to promise. The path of disobedience always ends in a curse. Jacob obeyed, this is important. And it's gonna, this statement is going to be countercultural, but listen to it. He obeyed his father and his mother, and he had gone. The way Jacob obeyed God was actually through obeying God's delegated authority. I know a lot of people, especially Spirit-filled people, they think that God always has to speak to them personally. They have no respect for authority. If God didn't say it to them, it must not be, because they are the center of the universe. God doesn't speak to nobody else. But here's something I learned in my life. God will not only speak to me. God will also speak through sanctioned and authorized authorities in my life. You know, my dad has not always walked with the Lord. But I learned early in the ministry there were certain things I ran past my father. Why? He was an authority in my life. Even the high priest that was about to crucify Jesus... The Bible says he prophesied. I mean, he had blood on his hands, dripping out of his mouth, about to crucify the innocent Lamb of God. And he prophesied that one must die for the many. Why, God used his office. And with my wife, I've learned sometimes I do trust her, but it's not always a flesh thing where I trust her. I trust her office. She stands in the office of helpmeet. Meaning, my help will not always drop down from heaven. Sometimes my help is right by my side. So I'm not so spiritual, I don't listen. In fact, the only time I override my wife is if God has clearly spoken. Because I know where my help comes from. (laughs) Same thing with my pastors. If they say something to me I disagree with, I will go over and over it. And Lord, show me another angle. Maybe I'm missing because they are charged to watch over my soul. And God doesn't charge blind people to watch over people. And the only reason a, a real man of God, I'm not talking about the, some of the other folks, but I'm talking about a real man and woman of God. The only reason God puts them over you is because God has given them sight. But many of us, we got our own personal relationships. We don't submit to authority on the job. We don't submit to it in church. And the only thing we know is whatever God might tell us. But here's the problem. You have to throw away your Bible. God didn't tell you that. He told Paul. He told Peter. And because of their authority as apostles of the Lamb, we listen. And because of their authority, God has spoken. So it will not always just come to you you got to learn to yield to others. That's why that there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. That's why we need each other because God is speaking to each other, each of us in different ways. Some of us are better in different areas and weaker in other areas. I know some, a whole lot about this, but not a lot about that. And we need each other. And when we combine and listen to one another, we become stronger. All right. Jacob obeyed his father and mother and had gone, he didn't just wish to go to his relatives. He went to Paddan Aram. He put his sneakers on and he started walking. And we, t- we talked about the, the, the lepers, that, that as they went, they were what? Healed. Don't ask God to guide your steps if you're not willing to move your feet. And, and don't wait to move your feet until you got everything figured out. Jacob didn't have everything figured out. God didn't show him everything. But he knew what mom and dad, his authority said. Yeah, yeah. And obviously it resonated in his heart. So he stepped out and moved in the direction that God called him, verse 8. Also, Esau, this is the brother that, that was, had been sideways, and if you're familiar with the, the, the narrative of Jacob and Esau, you, you know what's happening. He finally saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. Most people will not see they're wrong until they're upstaged by people who do right. That's important. Doing right in a wrong world is actually an aggressive act. See, I didn't always understand why people got so mad at me. I said, I'm minding my business. I ain't even messing with you. But somehow, me doing right kind of, oh, you're showing that I ain't doing it. Oh. You got to understand, doing right is an aggressive spiritual act.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Greer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit GraceChurchVA.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big.